Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! A Dramatic Reading by Claire and Neil Their craving for each other was hungry and wild, rivaling the ferocity of animals brought together by nature and biology, but like pretty romantic animals, not like slugs or weasels or anything nasty. Their lover's touch was primal and in its deepest need, yet also tender because of their deep feelings at the core of it. Oh, you're kneeling on my hair, Melissa complained, shoving Slade on his back. Stay still and stop getting in the way. Well, it's a small cell, Slade defended, trying to adjust his body. The floor has slime on it and I get to be on top. Melissa climbed astride him. Now shut up and be still. You're spoiling the magic of my first time. He reached up to touch her, but she lovingly swatted his hand away. I told you not to move. I'm in the zone and you're going to screw it up. Slade rolled his eyes and let his hands fall on the stone floor, adrift in grand passion. The radiant desire lit the room with gleaming glow that rivaled the golden glint of the prison bars. The magical light of their love illuminated them in the enchanted luminescence of luminosity. Ouch! What are you doing, you pervert? You did that. I'm not even moving. You're doing this all wrong. You're not even doing anything. How is that possible? How would you know if I'm doing it wrong? You just said this was your first time. Melissa sealed a palm over her beloved's lips, lest he break passion's sweet spell. Shut up! She hissed again. Their perfect bodies fit together, like cardboard puzzle pieces left out in a glorious rainstorm. Melissa's head went back in ecstasy as Slade's hard male member parted the soft petals of her shy womanhood, filling her with his masculine essence until uniting them as one being, connected at their damp, throbbing organs, and also their very hearts. Shit! Slade freed his mouth from beneath Melissa's silencing hand, her fingernails digging deep into his pectorals. Are you trying to claw me to death? Why are you talking? You're wrecking everything. I think I'm bleeding. Well, you're supposed to be a vampire. Work with it, for God's sake. Their honeyed words were spoken with all the vibrant, colorful emotions of their pounding hearts. Except Slade didn't technically have a soul because he was a vampire. Tortured, moments passed between them, never to be forgotten. The whispered sounds of breathless sighs filled the air. Slade sighed. Can I move yet? No! Melissa gripped her own breast, stroking her rigid, rigid nipples, and rode Slade's masculine staff towards bliss. Slade tried to stay still. Once movies were invented, it would be a scene right out of the greatest romances ever filmed. I'm going to come! I'm going to come! Melissa ground down, her hips taking him as deep as he could go. Come on, baby, fill me up like a geyser! Fuck! 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 Heaven itself could not have written such a perfect script. (laughs) (laughs) A dramatic reading. And that was FMK Lit Theater. Applause, 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 applause. So, listeners, 
Um, normally we don't do dramatic readings, as you all know, which means that this is not a normal episode. This is a quickie. Let's get it on. Quick time. But real quick. Real quick. <laughs> real, real, quick, quick. real quick. Let's get it over with. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Claire. Yes. Uh, we read a very wonderful book for this for this quickie. We did. We read The Worst Romance Novel in the World, Eternal Passionate Sunset by Cassandra Gannon. But that's sort of like the abridged title. <laughs> <laughs> the, the full title, The Worst Romance Novel in the World, a mercifully abridged version of Eternal Passionate Sunset by Tanya St. Clair, adapted by Cassandra Gannon. <laughs> but first, Neil, let's yes. just say... Um, this, uh, what are we doing here? Is this a podcast? This is a podcast. This is, <laughs> hi, I'm Neil. <laughs> I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. But today. Today's a quickie. Today's a quickie. And even though it's a quickie. All the spoilers. We're just, we're gonna spoil this short book, but honestly, it's too much fun. We already I, did. We already spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, I also love that it's a quickie, but that's the longest opening reading we've done. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Worth, Worth it. it. Uh, before we get into this book, though, Clea. Mm -hmm. Yes. What's got you hot and bothered? The world. I just I just needed <laughs> something. To like, I just needed to literally escape. And so, um, what, like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, or days ago, I think days ago, I was like, who knows? I wonder what the worst romance novel in the world is. <laughs> and I just Googled it. I was like, what is the worst romance novel in the world? And Cassandra Gannon, bless her ever loving heart, named this book the worst romance novel in the world. So it came right up on Google. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, this is exactly what I needed. Like, um, outside of the stress of jobs, outside of the stress of family, outside of the stress of, like, the global catastrophe that is the global catastrophe, like, this is positively one of the most fun couple of hours I've spent in a while, and it was just fabulous, and I'm so glad we're talking about it. So the book itself is what's got you hot and bothered. Indeed! <laughs> fair. But fair, Neil, fair, fair. what has got you hot and bothered? So I um, had some phone drama recently. My phone, my very old phone, I say very old. It's like almost five years old. So we're all surprised it has lasted this long. Just like finally crapped out on me. And then just sort of the hoops of trying to get a new phone um when in the before times i would just go to the verizon store and be like can you fix this no okay i'm gonna buy a new phone then um not so now but as i was like trying to deal with all of this i was reminded of if you'll go in the way back machine with me um when we our episode about romance writers and the straight one where she almost knocked her laptop over and the guy made fun, Adam or Todd or whatever his name was, made fun of her and was just like, oh, you upset because your whole life's on a laptop. And I was sitting there just like, my phone was broken in such a way that like I was, it was getting texts and notifications, but I couldn't 
read them or see what they were so i knew what i was missing out on and just like that stress and i just want to be like all over again fuck you guy like fuck <laughs> you guy like every computer a phone a tablet any of those big electronics craps out on you it's stressful it's very stressful and like fuck you guy fuck that guy fuck that yeah. guy but i have a new phone all as well Hooray! Yeah. Well, shall we get started on this book? Yeah, let's talk about this book. <laughs> so, okay, again, I want to say, like, the reason I wanted to escape, I wanted to see what the internet thought the worst romance book was, in part because we read so many bad ones, and I thought maybe there's a scale, maybe like there's other reviewers out there who have read bad books, and. Honestly, when this came up, it just seemed like too much fun and too exciting. So um, there we are. Um, Neil. Shall I read the book cover? Please do. Okay. The Worst Romance Novel in the World, Eternal Passionate Sunset by Cassandra Gannon. Welcome to Eternal Passionate Sunset, the world's worst romance novel. Full of inconsistent characters, weird love scenes, convoluted vampire rules, and wincingly bad metaphors, this loving spoof of old-school supernatural romances will make you long for a magical alien cat to whisk you away to another dimension. Seriously, that's a thing in this book. Spunky and beautiful, Lady Melissa Fairfield dreams of escaping to the 1892 World's Fair in Chicago, innocently believing that it is her one chance to avoid the arranged marriage to an accountant of her father's choosing. Yet, she has no idea that evil lurks in the fabled white city, salivating at the thought of destroying her innocent blonde beauty. A stalking menace, menace consumed with a centuries-old vengeance haunts Melissa. Damien, the last of the wizard warlocks. Damien knows that the beautiful, innocent Melissa is the destined bride of Slade, king of the noble race of vampires. Age-old enemies, Damien will stop at nothing to destroy Melissa, enrage his mortal foe Slade, and win their supernatural war. Meanwhile, Slade will stop at nothing to possess Melissa's fiery passion for his very own, and have the one beautiful woman who can fill the void of his lost soul. If only the beautiful, flame-haired vixen will heed his powerful call and give herself fully to this dark night before the evil Damien enslaves her and the rest of the planet with his otherworldly powers and thirst for revenge. This is a 22,000-word short story. Claire. Yes. That's what the book says. Yes. <laughs> well, tell, tell me. Tell me, Claire. Claire. Um, th I mean, that's what happens. So much more happens. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the keen observer um, will notice that at one point it said Melissa was blonde and another point it said she had red hair. Welcome to this book. It's hilarious. <laughs> I think one of the things I was worried about um, when, we st when I started reading this was that it would be um, a call out to other romance books and it would be cruel, like it would be mean. It wouldn't be mm -hmm. loving at all about romances, but that's not, that's not what happened at all. So um, the thing is, Cassandra Gannon wrote another book called Not Another Vampire Book, 
where the main character is the editor of romance novels, and she's gotten another supernatural romance novel on her desk that she has to edit, and it's awful. <laughs> it's a bad romance, and that one is called Eternal Passion at Sunset. Um, and so to write the book within the book, she had to write the book within the book. And so after a couple of years after she finished it, she just had so much fun she, uh, having written the book within the book. She realized she might as well just expand it and sell it. And it's like, so this is in some ways like fan service for people who really loved Not Another Vampire book. It has the characters from that particular book, but this is... As she says, um, if that book continued on without the editor being sucked into it and changing the storyline, what the storyline would have continued to be if it hadn't been interrupted. Um, so that so it is the worst romance novel ever, and this is the book that she would be sucked into. It is, um, it it riffs on all of the worst tropes. Um, if you hate kidnapping books. This is the, a great book to read <laughs> that is like an antidote to all of those. Just mm -hmm. like why those kidnapping books are terrible. Like, I am the strongest, most evil vampire in the world. And yet I will also never touch you. I will be very kind. And like, it's like full of inconsistent characters. It's full of like strange plot twists that make no sense. Also weird plot holes and like... Oh. My, one of my favorites was the running gag with Damien, the wizard warlock, who's all powerful and could just has these powerful evil magics and could just do whatever he wanted, but he doesn't. And the book is always like, oh, because he didn't think of it. Right. Or he's <laughs> like, I did think of it. And for a very specific reason that I cannot get into, I will not be doing that <laughs> terrible thing. I think, let me know if you agree, Claire, that I think it would be more fun not to actually go through the plot because I want people to go read it, but just to sort of like talk about some of the, the things that she was playing with. Yes. I, and, and I will say like, I agree. Yes. Go read this. And it's, it's only gonna, it is a short story. It's only like 20, you know, like I would say like, this is going to take you two hours, three hours mm -hmm. to get through. It's not like that big a deal, but it's also, very fun. It's a very loving sort of send up of romance novels. And yeah, I think one of my favorite things that she does throughout the book is every time the heroine talks about her father, he's like a different person. He's that sometimes he's like the he's the president of the United States. He's the Duke. He's a king of something. He's, he's like, her aunt. He's her aunt. He's the leader of the of like the World's Fair, the which color she herself of her, named the White City. <laughs> the color of her hair, the her last name, and the person who's forcing her into this marriage change every single time it's brought up, uh, and it's hilarious. It's so good. She has a best friend, Melissa, who is uh, not as pretty as her, and this is brought up every single time. Uh, like, like her, like oh, Melissa is our main character, but uh, her best friend. Every time her best friend is brought up, like she's just not as pretty as her. But one of my favorite things is late in the book, she's like, and she doesn't even fit into my bridesmaid dress. She looks terrible in it. I know. I'm a bowling. I'm I'm a china doll among bowling balls. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was one point too was talking about the friend. It's like, oh well, you know, she doesn't have anything else going on, and I'm. It's so uh, like magnanimous, magnanimous of me to let her hang out with me at parties. <laughs> and like the character is that two dimensional. The the friend just shows up, has like three lines, and then we never see her ever again. Right. She says something plot important. I love the the moment in like the horse stalls where our main character Melissa is going oh to run away. She's gonna run away and join like Bill's wild like West show, and like the best friend comes in to talk her out of it, and they have a quick chat, and then the best friend's like, "Bye!" Like she leaves midway through conversation because her 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 spot in this plot line is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she just wanders off. She's I love. I love to, this book is really good at things. It's like when you can tell that the author changed their mind about something, but didn't go back to like right up to it. Two of my favorite examples. One is um, with, with the friend and Melissa in the stable and Melissa's like, I'm going to, I, I can never run away and, and like shirk my obligation to my family. And the friend's like, well, then why are you going to run away and, shirk the obligation to your family and melissa's like oh no that was a trick all along for some reason (laughs) my other favorite one is when they get to the vampire island and they're having this like you know very passionate scene and he throws her into a field of flowers and then like three paragraphs later it's like oh and then the blades of grass blah 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 oh because it was a meadow the fields of flowers was was an illusion and then later, it's like, oh, and then take me right here on this beach. It's like, well, the the flowers were an illusion and the meadow was a spell. They're actually on a beach now. And then it's a desert and then it's something else and it keeps changing. And every single time it goes back to like, oh, well, the first thing was this. The second thing was that. The th- and it was so funny. And then, and I feel bad giving away this punchline where they're like out in a desert and it's like the sun is out and our main guy Slade is a vampire. And after all these things, like uh, a holog- or, uh, a spell, a hallucination, a dream, a this, a this, a this. And then she's like, wait, shouldn't you be burning up in the sun right now? And it's like, not when it's a hologram. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was really good. It was so funny. I, like, I was laughing out loud alone in my room in you know, like 10 o'clock at night reading before bed, I was laughing out loud alone in my room at this book. It was so good. Oh my God. I think one of my favorite parts, we talk often about what we've now referred to as bathtubbing, the, where they just do all, you have to read every single second of the thing that they're trying to get through. Mm-hmm. And it's unimportant to plot, unimportant to things. We just have to know all the things. I love that so much because this was this was something she says. Note to readers, the remainder of this chapter of 50,000 words of Slade and Melissa touring the World's Fair without messing up Melissa's hair and visiting and talking to a monkey oracle. They agree to go back to the Vampire Isle together. I have mercifully abridged it for you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, then, and then later when it's convenient for the plot all of a sudden she's the chosen one and she does this big magical thing but she can only do it the once and never again (laughs) uh when we were talking earlier about damien never oh also we have to talk about whenever they talk about damien it's like 
evil but kind of sexy. And evil it's but always kinda sexy. Dark but kind of sexy. Like it always says but kind of sexy. And then there's also yeah, like he like, does creepy s- things that are also kind of sexy. <laughs> but kind of sexy. And then it, it, there are parts where it alludes to the fact that Slade and Damien, who are mortal enemies, immortal enemies, also find each other sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. But we were talking earlier about how Damien has all these powers and we don't know why he hasn't just done whatever it is he wanted to do. So this is, um, I think this is after the zombie horses. So yep. Damien attacks Melissa and Slade in his stables and they run out. And this is uh, Slade saying, I will protect you, my dearest heart. He helped her to her feet. Come, we must escape before Damien finds us. Melissa turned to look at the stable, which was about seven feet behind them. Could he track them so far? You're so strong, Slade. Can't you defeat Damien here and now and end this nightmare? No. Why? I could explain it, but it would take too long. Oh, well, that explained it then. It had been silly of her to try it and think of an idea. That's why she had Slade. <laughs> it also talks about her girl brain a couple times. And I'm just like, oh, God. I know. It's I so love, it talks about her girl brain a bunch, but she's also the one that points out inconsistencies in the plot all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also... Uh, came, th- we this showed up in the, our dramatic reading, but like when the characters were obviously feeling one way, and the narrative was saying that they were feeling a completely different way, uh-huh. it was so funny. It was so funny. Well, and I love how horny Melissa is all the time. But it says every chance it can get that she's virginal. She's virginal. She's virginal. But she is so horny. Anytime she's in some man's arms, and especially if they're kidnapping her, she's like, oh, no, don't do that. But, I mean, explain to me all the sexy hot things you're going to do to me. (laughs) But don't do them. But maybe do them right here on this floor or against that wall. That'd be hot. I Uh, have an example of that as well, if you don't mind. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um there's uh so I forget who she's getting oh it must be Slade. She's horny for any guy who's holding her, kidnapping her, but it, she only fools around with Slade. It's like she whimpered in delight as he touched the damp nest of curls that shielded her maidenly secrets. No one but her favorite maid had ever touched her like that before. And Polly only lent a hand when Melissa really nagged her. Stop! Melissa begged, even as she parted her thighs for Slade's relentless palm and showed him how to touch her how she liked. <laughs> so it's, it's like this no means yes thing mm-hmm. to an absolutely ridiculous degree. And yet, I do have to point out, even though this is the worst romance novel in the world, she has more agency over her body and the sex than a lot of the women do in the books that we read that are not satires of the genre. <laughs> 100% like like it's crazy it's it's so upsetting in so many ways uh, but it is also delightful uh, also if we ever get t-shirts mm-hmm. this is the line that I would like to have printed on the t-shirt tell me he smelled like bloodthirsty tigers having sex on the moon yes <laughs> I wrote that down too oh my god oh my god it's so good I mean, because the 
that is one of one one trope that I love slash hate is what people smell like. I mean, I love it because, of course, like we're all sensory beings. Mm-hmm. Every like a, a singular smell of your true love. Sure, I am on board with smells and tastes and all that, but it can get extreme and dumb. And this was my single favorite thing. <laughs> Smelled like bloodthirsty tigers having sex on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point, too, it was talking about Slade's long, beautiful golden hair and how it looked like it was the color of molten bananas. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good. It was so much fun. His eyes were blue, uh, were sapphire blue, the color of sapphires. (laughs) (laughs) His sapphire blue eyes were the color of sapphires. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to say, too, so he throws out a bunch of pet names for Melissa, and some of them are so cute. There's one point where he calls her Dandelion Fluff. Yeah. I don't know why that's so fucking adorable to me. Uh, Blasting to her rescue, in his wake he left a trail of glittery dust that shimmered in the air. It was so manly. I, I just, like, um, of the, uh, like, I'm just going to give a quick list of some of my favorite things that happened. Um, we had a fight that we didn't actually see because it was skipped over, but we got the beginnings of it with ant people. Antonia. Um, Antonia. Um, there was... Yeah, it builds at the end of the chapter, builds up to the fight, and then it's like, and then he won. Moving on. Yeah. Um, there was a friend of, uh, of Slade's who Slade called Ryan because he could not remember his name was Donovan. And, and every time he was referred to in the book text, it was quote Ryan. (laughs) And, and, And then he later changes sides to the warlock side and he gets a a name tag that says please call me by my name which is Donovan (laughs) just like all of these little things that were so great um when Don when Damien finally kidnaps um our you know our Melissa our main character when he finally kidnaps her he hates it so much because she is awful. She's complaining about all the things. She's an utter bitch. She also is just like, well, then have sex with me. And he's like, I actually don't want to. Like, I, 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 I'm attracted to you, but for no reason I can figure out. And, you know, it's like because of the plot. Um Oh, God, it's so great. And I mean, we you should know, like, the in the book, um, the actual book that this book is in, not another vampire book, um, Damien is the ally. He is the love interest. And um, he's the one that, uh, so that's why he's, I think he comes off as a little bit more complex in um in this story even though he's like mm-hmm. even hyper realized um and i think the the editor who is the the main character in the book not another vampire book um she they sort of get together out of the ridiculousness that is like her and damien get together out of the ridiculousness that is the storyline that they're being forced through which is kind of delightful, but which is also why I think he comes off as like a little bit more three dimensional <laughs> and not quite parody the rest of the uh, the way the other ones mm-hmm. do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, too, at the end of this book, the worst romance novel in the world, the author's note is so long because it's Cassandra being like, I promise I'm actually a good writer. I promise. I promise. <laughs> and it was like, here are all the things how this book is dissimilar from the book that it came from. I promise. And it's like, we know you you don't have to do that. We we know. We understand. Yeah. Well, and I do think like it takes a really good writer who is uh, to, to be able to manipulate um, the te- text in such a way so that through a parody like to read this long a book that's entirely parody Mm -hmm. is you know like i've read a couple of parody books that are struggles to get through Mm -hmm. because you don't care about the characters you know that they're all dumb Mm -hmm. there's no there's no good storyline to pull you through to the end i mean even like parody movies like you know they're good but oh like sometimes they're not good for rewatches or sometimes they're only good for the jokes that are in them. And sometimes like they're just so dull to pull through mm-hmm. and you just wish you were reading or watching the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not that like, she's, she's really pretty savvy. She's um, she throws a lot against the wall. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like I know what it can't, I don't think it could survive on its, on its own on a bookshelf or anything, mm-hmm. but it was great. Yeah, I had I had a few moments where I was reading this, and it's just like, ugh, like I kind of get it. So, it, I I read through it because we were recording. But I think if I had picked up this book on my own, I would have just read like a couple chapters a night, and just gotten like little bites. I was like, oh, it's the, because it's kind of like I don't want to say it's the same joke over and over again, but because it lives in the same tropes, mm-hmm. it it can feel like. Yeah, I understand the the jokes that are happening. Not that it's not good. I did enjoy it, but there were just moments that I was like, I'd rather just be reading like the good, uh, the good paranormal romance. So, listeners, when you buy this book, maybe just like give it a couple chapters a night, just to like tickle your funny bone, and then see what happens next. I also do agree that um, Cassandra's a good writer. I found this passage that it's it's meant to be funny and it's meant to be a parody but i feel like in the right context it would actually be a really good uh passage which is melissa fought the unfightable desire that dragged her towards the dangerous shores of craving on the atoll of ruinous passion in the great sea of sex (laughs) i mean if, if i read that in a real romance novel where the main characters didn't take themselves terribly seriously i'd love that i like i still love this passage but i'm like no there there's obviously she has this author has skill because it's like even though she tried to make that funny i'm like no i love that sentence i love it (laughs) i will say two two things that this book was missing to be a true parody in my opinion a lot of unnecessary commas and there was no point where Slade threatened to murder anyone who hurt Melissa, Melissa before they ever met. Uh-huh. Which I wanted to see that scene because it would have been hilarious. But that's not in here, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, that may come down to the, the fact, something that you said earlier, the fact that Cassandra actually does care about her characters Mm -hmm. and like i mean and this is a lot to say before having read any of her uh, any of her books that she's 
you know, that are a little bit more serious romance efforts. Her non-satirical books. Right. I mean, although, like, not another vampire book is obviously also heavily satire in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I would say, like, because she obviously cares about romantic, like, that she doesn't actually have the, like, there is no, nothing close to actual rape that mm-hmm. happens in this. Like, and we've read romance novels where it, they were, he, they, that, that was pretty much what was happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, so that nothing like that happens, that there's like crazy ass love triangles that make absolutely no sense in this book. But like, also nobody's actually hurting each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Slade is a not real person who's, but he, I feel like he doesn't even actually kidnap her. He doesn't even actually, like, put, like, he doesn't treat her poorly at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he is always thinking of her feelings. <laughs> um, I mean, she isn't, which is hilarious. Like, she isn't always thinking of his feelings. And so taking that particular thing, but also, you know, I don't know, like, it was just so delightful to read, and it does make me feel like <coughs> I could comfortably read one of Cassandra's books and mm-hmm. enjoy the characters. Despite this being billed as the worst romance novel in the world, it was a lot more fun to read than a fair number of some of the books that we have read. <laughs> it was. I laughed out loud many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely wanted to read out loud like, I wanted to read out loud large portions of this book. Oh, yeah. I came into this being like, okay, I have all these sections highlighted. Is it just going to be me reading this whole thing? <laughs> I know. There, there was part of me that was like, I wonder if we could call the author and just, like, do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay if we just read huge chunks of your books but encourage people to go buy it? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, oh, and also good. important to note, the maid, Polly, comes back and has a very important plot point later, which is delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's another, no, my name isn't Polly, it's Molly. <laughs> and I'm a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it's not even like, oh, she can disguise herself as a human, but less it's like, oh, the wings and scales and fire breath should have tipped me off. But she really pulls off that feather hat. Yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> oh. uh, so. I mean, and that's why this is a quickie, because there isn't yeah. too much to talk about. It, it doesn't really wrap up with any other particular um, book we were reading, but it was just mm-hmm. so good unto itself. We had to share. But I feel like we do have to play Fuck, Mary Kill, because we have... The intended husband who's a boring accountant, mm-hmm. the golden vampire, and the dark but sexy, evil but sexy wizard warlock. Uh-huh. So Claire, yes. fuck, Mary kill, Slade the golden vampire king, Damien the evil but sexy wizard warlock, or Eugene the accountant. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> Eugene the Accountant is also a necromancer. Yes. <laughs> and we do not find that out till later. <laughs> and one of my favorite things about that is he has kidnapped Slade's horses, some of which can fly, all of which are named Slade. <laughs> 
and put, but put them in a very nice animal uh, animal sanctuary where they can uh, be trained to do cute tricks and also socialize. Um, I think. I think I'm still going to kill him, though. <laughs> but he's a necromancer. Maybe he can come back. He'll just come back. <laughs> um, I am definitely going to fuck... Um, <laughs> I'm going to fuck Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get fucked in this book. And it's almost, but not quite. But I get the feeling he's pretty good at it. And he also seems to be... He's not going to rape anybody. And I enjoy that about him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm going to marry Slade, but only because they just keep talking about how rich he is. Every single moment, she's like, well, you should like do this to get more money. And he says, well, why would I? I literally have all the money in the universe. And she's like, well, that's nice. <laughs> it's like, oh, the walls are made out of rubies. The furniture is made out of diamonds. The chandelier is made out of sapphires. <laughs> like, that's what? Good. So, yeah, but also because he's genuinely pretty caring, um, is a mama's boy, and um, uh, does anything that Melissa wants at all. Like, that sex scene we read out, like, she was a selfish top. (laughs) Greedy top! Greedy top. Greedy top. But he was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) How am I doing anything wrong? I'm not even moving. (laughs) So good. So good. That's the thing, too, whenever it referred to, um, or not whenever, but several times when it referred to Melissa's virginity, there were a couple times it's like, oh, no, she's definitely hooked up with people before. (laughs) 100%. So I would say then, um, would you prefer, would you fuck, marry, kill Melissa, Mm -hmm. Melissa's best friend, or Mm -hmm. Melissa's maid? Polly Molly the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to answer the first one. Oh, of course. Yes. Because I didn't answer my own question. I would I'd just do the same thing as you. Um, and like, yeah, Slade, Slade is very rich and has his own magical island at all. But he also seems like such a nice person. <laughs> so, yeah. And then Damien, Damien's evil but sexy. So obviously you're going to fuck him. Obvious. And then, obvi. Eugene seemed fine. He his his name was a like Eugene Blandington or something, but then he was a necromancer. So he wasn't bland, but he was a necromancer, and we don't have time for that. Um, so I think I'm going to kill Melissa because she's the worst. <laughs> um, I'm going to fuck the best friend and probably forget about it. <laughs> Maybe not even realize it's happening at the time, and then I'm going to marry uh, Polly Molly Dragon because she has that gorgeous feathered hat and like <laughs> 50 rubies or something <laughs> what about you claire oh uh, yeah 100 percent the same thing uh poly molly uh, dragon is self-actualized mm-hmm. <laughs> in so many ways um best friend is a non-character in all the ways a best friend should be <laughs> i imagine having sex with the best friend characters like being in a sensory deprivation tank <laughs> You're just, like, numb to everything for, like, 40 minutes. And then you wake up and you're like, where have I been? (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and of course, Melissa has to die because she's the worst. She's the worst. She's the absolute worst. I have one more passage that I wanted to share. Oh, please. Sorry. Um, this is speaking to some of the plot holes. And this was just so good. So they're talking about um, Damien's brother, someone, Joseph, who's a, a wizard warlock. <clears throat> and Melissa asks, say, why is Joseph buried on the vampire isle anyway? The wizard warlocks attacked and there was a battle here. The dead from both sides rest beneath the sacred ground. How did the wizard warlocks get here to attack? They teleported. You said no one could get to the vampire isle through teleportation, that everyone had to fly. Yes, very true. I am full of such wisdom. But you also said the wizard warlocks cannot fly. They can only teleport. Another brilliant analysis by me. Melissa's feeble girl brain couldn't comprehend all the strategies of this mysterious world. So if they could not fly here or teleport here, how did the wizard warlocks get here? Right, Slade squinted in deep thought. In that case, I blame the ogres. <laughs> and it never mentions ogres before or since. Like, it's just so, it's so, it's like, I love, like, when it asks for the reader, like, what about this plot hole? And the character's like, mm, yes, quiet, mm, <laughs> moving on. God, it's so good. So oh, good. It was, it was delightful. It was absolutely <clears throat> delightful. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, all the times Melissa's pressed up against a very muscular chest, and she's just ready to say, no, don't, stop. As she's taking but what her are clothes you going off. To do? As she's taking her clothes <laughs> off. As she's pulling them down to the ground. Yeah, um, yeah, that too. It's not even just, like, laying herself bare. She's, like, actively dragging someone <laughs> down to the floor to fuck her. Oh, uh, <sighs> it's just... It was too much fun. It, it was, was too much so fun. much fun. Oh, so. And I guess that was that book. That was that book. Oh, thank you, Claire. No, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you, writers, or that writer, the one writer. Well, also uh, the fictional writer of Eternal Passionate Sunset. Thank you. And then also thank our real writer. Indeed. And thank you, readers. And listeners. Oh, so many. Um, you know, go out like we, you know, I encourage everybody always to buy these books, you know, throw money at all of these authors, mm -hmm. whether it was good or bad, like give them some love. But this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100 percent. Like, like if if Cassandra saw like sales of this book, like just like skyrocket for no reason, I would be exceedingly happy. <laughs> She says to our millions of listeners. <laughs> it's two bucks. It's two bucks. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, just just go buy it. It's great. <laughs> also, the cover, the cover doesn't have, it's like a very good bad romance cover, but it doesn't have anything to do with the book. Yep. So like every detail of this is on point. <laughs> on point. Delightful. Uh, so I guess that's all we have left to say, except... If you can do so safely. And when you aren't fighting off ant people. <laughs> Keep, Keep fucking.